2: another orange report and unfortunately it is another weekly loss but i'm going to stay positive this week because after reviewing the game um three more times um once on dvr and a couple online where i can i've really got where i like watching the games online Matt, because i can slow it down and really watch blocking and things and um am um, i'm seeing a lot of positives yes there's some still you know, negatives, and obviously the biggest, we're, we're not winning the games. We're not closing out games. Uh, you know, it's amazing how young this team is um, and how close we feel in one second, and then the next second we still feel so far away. But the amazing thing, we're about four or five plays away from being three and one uh, instead of uh, one and three, Um The Cal game was right there for the take, and this game was basically all we had to do was pick up a first down or two, get a stop or two, um, and and, and we're right there. Um, We'll talk about the officiating a little bit. Um, You know, obviously it was horrible. There's no way to sugarcoat that. So um, we're going to definitely recap the uh, Oklahoma State game tonight, and then we're obviously going to jump right into the TCU game, which joining us here in about four or five minutes will be Marshall Weber from the Frogs of War site, and we'll talk a little um, TCU, and I'm sure he's um, breathing a little better today. Um, if anybody saw the TCU game, um, they basically got a miracle tip um, ball to, to win their game, or they would have um, been an upset victim. So I think that's what we're going to see every week in the Big 12. Um, but with that said, how's it going tonight, Matt, up in Fort Worth?
1: It's going well, looking forward to a quote-unquote home game Saturday. It's a nice uh, three-and-a-half-mile drive to the stadium, so that's a lot better than three hours to Austin. So I'm looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, and you know, I still think we'll have a a good crowd there. Uh, You know, 11 o'clock games, nobody likes them, but, you know, in this instant, you know, TCU coming off a big emotional win. Um, We're coming off, obviously, a big emotional loss. Um, I, I think our kids will be ready to play. Maybe TCU will come out sleepwalking a little bit, and we might be able to to jump out to a lead and, and see what happens. Um, you know, um, you, know the, the, you know, like I was saying in the opening, I, I see a lot of positive signs. Uh, Hurd, again, didn't have a great game, but he had a, a pretty solid game. He missed some throws. Um, he took a couple sacks, you know, that, that he didn't get rid of the ball in time. Um, some of that was his fault. Some of that is the way um, – Oklahoma State decided to to attack him, and I saw some interesting things. And and now that he's been on film, um, you know, a couple games, I think that's what we're gonna we're gonna see. Um, but Oklahoma State did some pretty interesting things on defense. I started picking it up when I rewatched the game. A lot of times, what they did is they loop their defensive ends back in towards the center on pass on pass plays many times to keep him from splitting up the middle. And then the tackles basically didn't rush up the field. They slanted to the outside uh, and then basically had a a linebacker step up to the outside and then one spying in the middle. Um, So, you know, teams have made an adjustment on his running ability. It's time now for our coaches to scheme around that because that's probably what we're going to see a big dose of. But, uh, you know, we've handled it pretty well. By them doing that, we found some soft spots there in the middle and we were gutting them pretty good right up the middle there for a while. And then obviously once Perkins went down, the offense just went, uh, went zero. It, the, the day was basically over at that point. And then you throw in the officiating that as we know was, was so par, um, putting it nicely, not, not wanting to use, um, four letter words here. Um, some very <laughs> questionable calls and, and we're going to get into the officiating. I don't want to harp on it, you know, a lot. We'll get on it um, in, in, in our second segment after Marshall comes on um, and we talk to I mean, it's been beat to death. The message boards have, have just about beat it to death. Um, you know, there's not much else to say. You're hoping at some point um, the the officiating will at least even out. But I guess the, the thing before uh, Marshall gets on here I am going to say on it is, you know i've seen some pretty good write-ups on it some pretty good statistical analysis on it and you know it, it just doesn't pass the sniff test now i don't think the refs sat in a in a room and said hey let's let's screw texas today let's do this i don't think it was a concerted effort on the whole group uh but there's at least one possibly two on that crew for whatever for whatever reason um are, are quick to throw flags on some things that could be thrown on a lot of people so You know, I don't want to make accusations that it was flat-out cheating. I mean, but it it was a poorly officiated game. Now, with that said, if we make a few more plays, we don't drop the punt. Uh, We probably go to overtime. I like our chances in overtime. Uh, You know, the fumble um, at the end where they said it wasn't clear um, who recovered it, we recover that Um, there instead of, you know, us starting at the 5, we start at the 50. That changes the field. So, you know, I, I, when I rewatched the game three times, other than dropping the punt, which was, you know, the the ultimate nail in the coffin, as they say, there wasn't much else we could have done to win the game in that last five minutes. There was three or four critical, critical calls uh, that just did not go our way. And one of them was a close call. The other two were just completely atrocious. So we'll, we'll talk about those more probably about 20 minutes or so when we get through with Marshall. So with that said, Marshall's on the line. I don't want to keep him holding. Uh, Marshall, welcome to the Orange Report with Mike and Matt tonight. How's everything going tonight, sir?
0: Good. Pleasure to be here again.
2: Well, good. We're we're, we're glad to have you. Um, and I, I, you didn't catch my opening, but I, I was saying, um, that, that, you know, y'all's game and our game, I think, is going to be pretty indicative of, of, of what the Big 12 is going to look like this year. I don't think, you know, uh, you know, because of y'all's injuries, I still think Baylor, um, uh, is going to be tested I just don't – you know, every week is going to be a dogfight. It's going to come down to who makes a play, a play or two in the last uh, few minutes. Obviously, like in y'all's game with Tech, Tech drove down the field. Boom, y'all came right back. And, you know, a lucky tip ball, sometimes you got to have a little luck. And in our case, we gave Oklahoma State some luck, and we had bad luck. I, I think we're going to see a lot of games that, that way this year. What are your thoughts on the Big 12 as a whole before we get on TCU?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's – you know, it's hard to disagree with um... – you know, even in the you know as the country as a whole, I don't think anybody's been overly impressive. And the Big Twelve definitely seems a little more even than than probably most have thought. Not just top heavy with Baylor and TCU going into the season. Um, I haven't got a, a whole lot of chance to. I mean, I've you know I watched Oklahoma play against Tennessee. I've watched uh, just about every Texas game just because they're always on uh, just a, an easy channel to find. But um, I haven't been overly impressed with with Oklahoma State. I mean, they have a, a good defense. At, probably better defense than I've given them credit for Um, West Virginia, you know, is obviously a sleeper now kind of the, the uh, not the underdog, but kind of one that nobody was expecting going in. And now that, um, you know, now there's some people's favorite to win. So it's definitely a lot more even, I think the big 12 uh, by season's end, I think will you know, build up a lot, a lot more goodwill, not only with the playoff committee, but I think just fans in general, Um, there's, really just five or six good teams. I mean, Texas is on the up. I mean, I know they've had two two heartbreakers in a row, but, you know, they're getting better every week. Tech is really great. I think Tech is going to um, push Baylor more than people think this weekend. And, I don't know, it's a really good time to be a fan of the Big 12. Kansas State's always fun to watch. And unless you're Iowa State and Kansas, I mean, this is definitely going to be a really, really fun year. Well, looking at TCU this
2: year, and I've seen a, a, a couple of you games as well, and, I mean, other other than the injuries on defense, you know, I think we talked about it in the preseason that, you know, you were replacing a lot of people on defense, and then obviously, you know, injuries kicked in. What what are you right. seeing difference in this team versus last year? Um, good, positive and negative, as they say. Well, what's the difference between this team and last year's?
0: I guess we'll start with the negative. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know that, I was actually really impressed with the defense in the, in the first Minnesota game. And I was kind of underwhelmed with the offense. Um, the defensive line did really great in that first game. The young linebackers did really well, and, you know, the corners and the secondary did, did fine, too. But And then, you know, a couple of weeks in, you lose uh, a big uh, a big safety in Kenny Ioka, and that really hurts. And then you lose probably your, you know, easily your best corner, some would say the best player on defense in Rethany Tejada. Uh, you know, really great cornerback stepped in as a freshman last year. You know, really got only better as the season went on. I mean, as you know, freshmen tend to do. Uh, but yeah, the negative has definitely been probably the, the lack of turnovers on defense. Um, you know, going in after the Minnesota game and after the, uh, the Stephen F. Austin game, I think we were we were up to 28 straight games with with a turnover, and that streak got ended at SMU. And then we didn't have a turnover against Tech. We arguably should have. And, um, you know, I meant to put this into something I wrote today, and, you know, hopefully I'll talk about it more next week. But, yeah, I think the lack of turnovers have definitely been a big part because, I mean, you know, the defense was, you know, a lot better, a lot healthier last year. But, I mean, they got, you know, at least one turnover game, sometimes two, sometimes three. And when you have an offense that can respond so well to that turnover, like they did actually in the Minnesota game. That's um, you know that that was seen in that first game. I think on our second touchdown, possibly our first in that game. It feels like feels like a year ago already. But um, you know, with our offense being able to respond so well last year to defensive turnovers, that's what really uh, you know put a you know helped our season last year and and really kind of just help us you know aside from the Kansas game and uh, the West Virginia game, just really kind of just plow through teams and. Uh, that's probably been, the, you know, despite all the injuries, not having that turnover. And if you look back at the Tech game, when maybe we should have gotten that turnover um, on that fumble that Mahomes had that, you know, assuming they, you know, TCU the way they've been scoring that game, you know, you could pretty much say that they probably would have scored on that drive and, you know, maybe would have put the game semi-out of reach and it definitely would have been as, uh, as back and forth as it was. So I'd definitely say turnovers – uh, the lack of tur- uh, turnovers that the defense has created, you know, and it, you know, not ha- having a healthy team definitely adds to that. But I, so I'd say that Uh positive, I think, like I said, in the Minnesota game, I wasn't impressed with the offense, but it's only gotten better since um, Trevon Boykin is top 10 on um, just about every passing category. He's number two in the nation in touchdowns. Um, and I guess third now in, uh, in passing yards, the, the NCAA, like, site's a little slow, like, updating. The guy from, like, Bowling Green is number one. I forget who's number two. But he, he's much more efficient than he was last year. Uh, TC's running less of a hurry up uh, than they did last year, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, the last two games he played, SMU, Texas Tech, they run fast offenses. So, when you have a lot of scoring, teams that can score fast on both sides. You kind of want to slow the game down a little bit more. Um but Boyd is just more efficient. He's smarter. He's, uh, you know, with his offensive line, they're so comfortable with each other. He's calling off plays. He's changing plays. Um, running a lot more in routes, with, uh, and that has a lot to do with Colby listenby not being in 100% the last two games. He didn't play in last, last week's game. Uh, he went out early in the SMU game. So we're not throwing as many like Hail Marys or kill shots, whatever you want to call them. Um, we're still using Doxon a lot on deep throws, but we're also just running a lot more in routes with our slot receivers kind of just using that is our run up the middle. And then again, um the running game has been has been brilliant the last two games too. Um Aaron Green has had 160 yards uh at least 160 yards the last two games. So, I mean, the offense is only getting better. Um you know, I think we're still at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we've seen in their playbook. Um but it's 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 really exciting. You know, we had a we had a big uh Ty Slumina go down, uh slot receiver fan favorite, I mean, one of our best receivers, uh, super athletic. And then we had a freshman step in named Garrison Stewart, you know, probably had no idea he was going to play, not only this game, maybe maybe for the rest of the season. And um stepped right into that, that tough environment in Lubbock, you know, where, you know, Boykin, even Mahomes had a call down to calm down the crowd because he, they couldn't hear the plays. And um, that kid just stepped right in, caught 88, caught, I forgot how many passes, but he, you know, he got 88 yards and, you know, that just kind of just shows you the depth TCU at least has on offense. And, and it's just such a, a, you know, the unit is just so uh, on the same page. And those guys have, I mean, it just shows how like mature they are. Not only from last year, they kind of just surprised everyone, but they've kind of, you know, they may have not highlight wise, maybe like pass the eye test. A lot of my friends even will watch games. Like, Oh, I don't like our offense here. It's like, well, you know, they scored 55 and you know, they scored just about on every drive in Lubbock and, I like the offense a lot better this year. I think it's a little more; it's not taking as many chances. There's a little less trickery, and like I said. But that has led to Boykin being more efficient. He's he's well over sixty. Uh, like I said, I think when when I called you last time, I wanted Boykin's percentage uh, completion sh- percentage to be higher, and it, and it has been, and, and it's definitely shown. So I don't know, like that, you know, for the fact that the offensive the offense has been able to improve on what it did last year is uh, is is really encouraging. Yeah, and I guess you know when the when the
2: season opened up, you know, uh, you know, Swoops was, was a starter, and I, I knew that that was going to be very short lived. And now, obviously, that you know, you and me and and the rest of the country have seen a few games of Hurd, red shirt freshman, the only three starts into his career. Uh, you know, what, what do you think defense um, defensive wise, TCU is going to do now that they would have been different? Obviously, having Hurd in there, who who on any given play can can bust a seventy five yarder.
0: Sure. Um tell the truth, I mean, I think it's sort of anyone's guess. Um, you know, Patterson talked to think it was yesterday at a press conference. It wasn't today's. But they're gonna have to do something different. You know, they played a you know, Matt Davis at SMU is mobile, uh, kinda more like Hurd as opposed to someone like Mahomes who's kind of kind of more of a power runner. Um so I don't know, Gary has something special up his sleeve, but as a whole I think uh, you know, Hurd doesn't throw the ball a lot. Um he threw the ball a lot in the cow game, but he uh, he didn't throw a lot in the Oklahoma State game or the Rice game. I mean, he gets you know it, it's kind of a weird thing to say because you know his uh, you know his yards I think per completion is about like eight or he's, I'm trying to think what the exact stat was. Um, but anyway, he's he's thrown about 18 games on average, not including the Notre Dame game because he only threw one pass. But since the Rice game, he throws about 18 times. He's only. I think he's thrown 56 times this season and Boykin threw 54 against Tech. So we just have to be smart about kind of limiting when he throws and how effective that throw is. Um, as good as he is on his feet, and he's so good on his feet, and he's such a fun player to watch, um, he's definitely been able to create some some pretty deep plays. Uh, that being said, his, I think his arm strength probably needs to improve a bit. I mean, like I said, he's a talented kid, much better than Swoops. But if we can kind of just eliminate his uh, – he's kind of improvised runs and improvised kind of passing plays and finding somebody deep and kind of shutting that down and basically preventing him, like you said, uh, from breaking a 75 yarder or, you know, throwing a, a 40 yard pass that becomes, you know, or yeah, you know, throws it 20 yards and it becomes a 40, 50 yard pass. and Texas gets a big, big gain off of that. So I don't know. I mean, like I said, your guess, my guess is good as anybody's. I think Patterson has something a little special up his sleeve. Um, Texas, T.C. got some some pretty good news, uh, you know, this evening, this afternoon, whatever you want to call it. Um, Mike Tua will be back. I don't know if we'll play the Texas game. Um, Devion Pearson's back. Uh, he was back last week. And Terrell Latham uh, kind of giving us mixed feelings. He, on Twitter, he kind of made it seem like he's going to be back this weekend, but I think Patterson still at least told the media that he'd be at least two weeks. So T.C. is getting healthier, um, you know. I hope I'd like to see Tuola back and Lathan back, but you know I think the worst you've seen of TC's defense is is kind of over, and that that was against Tech. But like I said, Hurd is is as hard as anyone as we'll face this year. I mean, he's a young kid, and I think that's where they're gonna probably most benefit. And like I was talking about earlier, the turnovers, and if we can just find a way to make a young quarterback like that make a mistake, it'll kind of negate you know the big plays he is capable of making, and and by all means, he will make a couple of big plays on Saturday. It just, it's a matter of how much he can do it. Um, and I just don't know if he can necessarily keep up with Boykin, not because he's not, you know, a, a good quarterback. He's just, you know, Boykin, this is second year ish. You know, he's been the quarterback for three years. He kind of was a receiver for a year, but you know, I mean, it's just an experience thing right now. And, but, you know, credit, credit heard and, you know, credit, you know, the, the offensive coordinators of Texas, I mean, I think they found their guy and he's definitely going to be a force for the next couple of years for the big 12. Yeah. On
2: defense some of the guys you uh, that you listed that are out and everything, which one is probably sure. the one y'all missed the most in your opinion?
0: Well, that's a, that's, that's a good question. I think our defensive line is really good. And even with, you know, Tua and that whole kind of, you know, BS with the, you know, the fight with the frat kids and, uh, you know, stealing the beer. He'll be great to have back. Lathan made a lot of big plays uh, in the first couple games before he got hurt. I mean, that guy is fast. I mean, he rushes the passer. Um, And that would be someone good to have back for a game like Texas when you you have someone a little more mobile. Not more mobile, just very mobile like Hurd. Um, But I think regardless of whether Lathan and Tua play this weekend, I don't think, you know, regardless of whether of how like strong our defensive line is and how deep it is on Saturday, I think we can beat, you know, I think we could beat Texas, but I think by far the biggest loss is definitely going to the secondary. And it starts with Kenny Lyoka going down and freeing up that weak safety spot. And that weak safety has just been a, just been brutal for us. Um, we have a kid that's getting better. I mean, he's a walk-on named Michael Downing, you know, I mean, bless him for trying, but he just wasn't very effective at first and, um, You know, he's a little better in the Tech game. Wasn't terrible, but, you know, he's he's nowhere close to where Kenny Alico was. But by far, I think the biggest has been Ranthony Tejada. I mean, when you have a cornerback like that, that, you know, was freshman All-Big 12 and, you know, could have been All-Big 12 this year, um, you take away a corner and, you know, that means you basically have more options with your receivers and what you can do with your offensive game plan. Because, you know, Tejada's covering your best receiver – you start throwing to the other guy, and you know you can predict that they're gonna to have to go to the other side of the field more. And now with these young corners, it's just like you don't know, and it kind of frees up, frees up the offensive playbook for Texas, or no matter who you play. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say rather Taha, the quarter, the quarterback.
2: Really, kind of shifting gears here, talking, you know, TCU as a whole. Um, you know, obviously, y'all' schedule gets real interesting later in the season. You know, when you go at Oklahoma sure. State. Then- then you basically have a bye week November 14th with Kansas then you go at Oklahoma Baylor um I know earlier in the right. year you know we we talked about that you kind of thought there was potential trap games you know with 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 the injuries and, and and other things and now that you've actually seen y'all play um how do you think the TCU is going to end the you know finish up the season
0: Yeah I mean I think if we get <clears throat> I get th- we get through Texas and I I think we can again I think I I'm, I'm just glad we're playing Texas now as opposed to where we would have last year, like say we had, you know, last year's schedule this year and we were playing Texas on Thanksgiving. I'd be a lot more worried, but, you know, I think te- Texas is due for a win and they're going to, I think, catch a lot of steam uh, later in the season and just really put things together look nice. But I think we get past this weekend and then, yeah, like you said, we go to Kansas State. We should uh, be able to get past them. You know, I mean, they're not, you know, they're always, you always got to worry about Kansas State, but, uh, you know, I don't think, I think we'll be fine this year, and then we have a break, and then we have, um, and then we have. I always say, like you said, but then um, West Virginia is probably the game I'm, I'm I'm circling right now. I want to see us play this weekend, and then probably next weekend. Uh, we should be healthier on defense by then, uh, which is good. I mean, West Virginia is a home game, but it's on a Thursday. And like me, mm-hmm. you know, I have season tickets, but who knows if I can go to a Thursday night game in Fort Worth? And you know, you have to take off basically a Thursday for for a 6-30 game, and then you have to take off a, um, you know, likely a Friday, too, at least half of a day. So I think that kind of, you know, takes a lot of our uh, our home crowd out of the picture. We play really well at home, but, you know, if you have a big game on a Thursday and, you know, you out-of-towners can't come, that kind of creates a problem. But uh, I'm yep. still I, I'm still most worried. I mean, like I said, I want to see West Virginia play more. I want to see them – Maryland's not a very good team. I want to see them play on offense. I think they have a really, really good defense – it'll probably only continue to get better. Um, Like this weekend's a big, a big barometer for the season. And, and this is a good kind of pivot is, you know, they play Oklahoma and I'm probably most worried about Oklahoma just because as much as I hate to say it, Baker Mayfield's done really well this year. And that kind of quarterback with that kind of defense with Sterling Shepard, with uh, P Ryan, I mean, they're just, they're just kind of like going a complete team. And in that game being in Norman, you know, In November, it's going to be a tough game. I still like us against Baylor at home. uh, And kind of what I really see happening right now is uh, us losing in Norman, Baylor beating uh, Oklahoma, and then us beating Baylor. So, it creates like a three-way tie. Maybe we have, you know, maybe we do lose to West Virginia. But, you know, I definitely see – I can definitely see a three-way tie between Baylor, Oklahoma, and um, and TCU. Mm Uh-huh. And is, is 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 Notre Dame is kind of pulling out wins, you know. I mean, they've they've responded, sported of like us. I mean, they've responded really well with injury. Um, you know, Utah's looking good. You have to assume that the winner of Michigan State, Ohio State, will make the playoff because I think whoever wins that game will probably end up going undefeated as well. And then you're obviously gonna have an SEC team in there, and there's there's your four spots, and you know that could be really bad for the Big Twelve. And you know, I think maybe in the bowl games the truth will show of how good this conference actually is and maybe who knows maybe maybe the, the committee will throw us a, a curveball and maybe leave the PA- a Pac-12 team out because I don't really see a Pac-12 team as good as Utah's looked I don't necessarily see a Pac-12 team going undefeated I mean UCLA's look beatable so you know it's tough to say I think but I think if Notre Dame goes undefeated I mean they're obviously going to get a you know even a one-loss Notre Dame team is good for the playoff just because a people are going to watch it and you know, B. It's going to make them a lot of money. So, you know, the Big Twelve's in a kind of a tough position. I mean, it's a it's a really fun conference to you know watch, and I love the round robin. But you know, if you have, you know, you thought there was drama last year with two, you know, one loss teams, uh, you know, they were fairly even. Now imagine yeah. like a three way tie. So, you know, it, it's it's anyone's guess. I mean, we're only this is only the fifth week of the season. You know, we could tank. Oklahoma, you know, has a tendency to. Um, I don't think we'll tank by the way, but um I think you know, like I said, I think we get better once our defense kind of reloads, uh, you know, as it's starting to, especially with the defensive line and Patterson's gonna coach these kids up and I I do think that the worst of our defense is behind us. Um but you know, Oklahoma has a tendency to tank. If they lose a the game against West Virginia, you know, they all those dominoes could fall. I mean, you see that all the time in Oklahoma. Either they're gonna go undefeated or, you know, they're gonna go, you know, seven and five or whatever um and then baylor i mean who knows you know like i said i want to see them play tech so as you get more to conference you get more of a barometer and you get kind of you're able to gauge these these teams better but i still think i still think it's a big race between uh between uh oklahoma tcu baylor and west virginia at the moment and with our biggest the biggest the biggest game that's concerning me is definitely going up to norman at this moment in time but you know my answer could very much change next monday yeah,
2: I I don't I don't mean this in a bad way against TCU, Baylor or, yeah. or anybody. Um uh, I honestly I could really care less if the Big Twelve goes to the playoffs or not. I am just not a I am not a, a conference rah-rah guy. I mean it just really yeah. I, I mean it doesn't it doesn't I don't it doesn't make me feel I mean I, I have I'm I'm so indifferent to it. I know a lot of people have gotten in the you know I, I just it just it just it is what it is i, I can't even put it in the words i just it really doesn't matter yeah, if no. somebody from yeah that, if somebody yeah. from our conference gets in great if they don't i just i, I really it just really doesn't bother me because i'm convinced now that and, and i'm pro uh, now that uh the big 12 is is imploding as soon as it can i i i'm telling you people people are are, are going to be surprised but this thing with the officiating has finally pissed off the right people in Austin and um and I'm I'm going to talk about it later in the show um but the wheels yeah. of motion yeah. have the the wheels the wheels are on are are in motion in Austin to find us a, a place um which is a whole different conversation so um but uh yeah. you know and, and I'm going to predict Texas is not going to be in the Big 12 much longer I can tell you that right now
0: Yeah uh I think it's fair I mean my buddies talk, you know pretty much every summer when there's really nothing else to talk about and like we kind of always predict the Big 12 is going to just disintegrate and you know either yep. you know TCU and Tech and Texas maybe will go out west and maybe we're not know, going west some of these other teams we're not
2: going west you think you're, no, we're not going you are going independent I, I don't know I don't know what, I I had no prediction of where it's going to go um I, I think there's going to be major there's going to be a a a, a 7 a or 75 team major um um, TV money deal that's not going to be conference driven. I think in about six or seven years. So honestly, I, I don't think we're going to really have conferences. If we do, we're going to have regional pods. And, and I, bet, I mean, I don't. It ain't going to be called the SEC. It's going to be the Southwest region. But I think we're moving. We're going to all. We're going to end up in somewhere in the South with 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 somebody. I don't. I don't know how it's all going to shake up. But um, yeah,
0: it's I mean, going to be I like. I that, mean, I like that. I mean, I like that. I think you hit it on the head. I mean, I think well. the, I mean, if you go back and even watch the TCU and Tech game, I mean, there there are some terrible calls, probably more on us than there were Tech, but, I mean, Tech's got some really bad ones, too, and we've we've gotten bad calls over the years, and like you said, it finally happened, piss off the wrong people, and, you know, obviously, you know, regardless of whether or not Texas has won a Big 12 championship, when the last time it was, I mean, I know when it was, but, you know, you know what I mean. You know, if you piss off people in Austin, you piss off where the money's coming from, and you definitely shake things up and you know, luckily we have a a really great athletic director that hit the big uh, the big twelve were inevitably when it does go, maybe, you know. I I'm with you. I think it will will eventually disintegrate. But, you know, I think crystal Conti will have us in a um a place where we want to be post Big Twelve. So we're not really sweating well, think, it. Uh, you know, we're think, it. We're just I enjoying we're just enjoying
2: yeah. I think OU's looking too right now. I know some pretty some birdie pig OU people and they're and they're, they're 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 looking as well. So it's not just Texas. It's OU is um has got their 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 wheels in motion. But um, before I get too far into this, go ahead and give me your uh, score prediction for the game.
0: God, what did I say? I forgot what I said in my preview, but I gave us I gave us fourteen, I think. I think I said fifty-two thirty-eight. I think I think um, you know it's a little close at first. TCU pulls away. And then Hurd starts to kind of get things moving a little bit in the third. Uh, and then we kind of make a big stop, and, and T.C. pulls away kind of at the end and kind of gets, you know, a garbage-time touchdown in the fourth and, you know, becomes 38-14. But I think Texas pulls in pretty close. I think it, it, it becomes, you know, something like 45-35 at one point. Um, they definitely make it interesting. Hurd makes a big play, but I actually think our defense will step up, make that turnover they need to. Offense, quick response, and, and we're able to kind of get get a – get through Texas – a good, a good improved Texas team at home in Fort Worth.
2: Yeah, I haven't decided on mine. I've kind of gone back and forth on my numbers. But my numbers where I'm kind of hovering around are probably within four or five points a year is either way as, as well. So, well, Marshall, man, we appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, and I, I don't think I'm actually going to be able to make it to Fort Worth. I've, I've had something scheduled on this Saturday for about – for several months that looks like it is going to happen. I was hoping at the last minute – it would get canceled so i'm going to miss it but my, my buddy matt on the line um is, is he lives in fort worth so he'll be there bright and early i'm sure you're going up to the game as well so y'all you have fun and yeah i appreciate
0: that um yeah like i said after after we play this weekend i'll i'll, I'll definitely be excited to watch texas and kind of herd and you know this team grow there like i said i think you got the right guy in austin and you got all the moving parts you know all of strong's recruits are looking really good so i'm i'm excited to see texas grow Excited for you guys?
2: Yeah, I, 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 I'm not excited about it as you are. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just I'm going to see how it all plays out. But tell our listeners if, uh, if they want to talk to you on Twitter or go over to y'all's on um, site where they can find you.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you want to if you want to read more about the game, um, we did a good Q and A with Barking Carnival today. The uh, one of the Texas SB Nation sites. Um, we'll have our version of it out tomorrow, but it's just frogs of war on Twitter. Um, frogs and then oh uh, apostrophe war uh, and then you can find me just by searching Twitter just Marshall Weber on Twitter um, my handle is uh, marshmallow five something I've had like I said I explain this every time something I've had like since an Xbox name in like high school but um, yeah just search Marshall Weber on Twitter you'll obviously see the TC stuff in the bio so that'll be me um, yeah follow frogs of war um, follow your you know your SB Na- your Texas SB Nation sites to do a really, really great job too. Um yeah. So find us on there and I look forward to uh look forward to the game Saturday.
2: All right, man. Appreciate you coming on. Have a good evening.
0: All right. Thanks, Mike. You too. Thank you, sir. All right.
2: All right, Matt. I, I was gonna let you jump in there, but it just kinda got away. So I'm gonna let you just uh have a few minutes of your own if if you wanted to dissect anything Marshall said.
1: Well, you know, I think uh you know, he kind of took some of the questions I was going to ask so I wouldn't have been able to jump in anyway because I was going to ask about <laughs> the players coming back that was really my main question I saw that come across Twitter um to me you know what I was when I was looking at the stats from the tech game I'll be honest you know watching it live it just looked like a ping pong match so I really wasn't paying very close attention to the details uh-huh. it looked like you know tech was able to run the ball pretty effectively in that game, and I thought that was a good sign for Texas. Um, if they're getting some of that beef back on the defensive line, that could be a problem. I think, you know, what I, what I just remember of TCU last year, and obviously it's a totally different defense now as far as what players are on the field, but what Patterson did to Swoops, you know, their defensive line just mauled our offensive line all night long. And so they were getting pressure with four and they had seven guys back in coverage, and you're screwed if, if they can if do that. If you can't run against their four and they can drop everybody back and still get pressure, it's going to be a long day. And so, to me, that's a big key on Saturday. Um, and Marshall also brought up turnovers. You know, to me, that's a huge thing. And, you know, obviously, it's a, it's a sign for optimism if Tech TCU's not really forcing a lot of turnovers. Um, that's one thing I'll say about the Texas defense. You know, they're young. And Mm -hmm. usually, what we see is, you know, they don't force turnovers because they're just trying to stop the other team. And it's not till you really get good that you you can ace ace that test. And now you move on to trying to force turnovers and make big plays. Our defense has been making big plays despite giving up, you know, yards galore. The thing that worries me is that stuff usually tends to even (laughs) even out a little bit. And we're one and three with a plus six turnover margin. TCU hasn't forced a lot of turnovers. Uh, you know, that makes me a little bit nervous. If if things are due to even out a little bit, we absolutely cannot afford to lose the turnover battle. Battle, uh, Like he said, with that offense TCU has, if you've turned the ball over three or four times, I mean, you could have the best defense in the world, and you're still going to give up 35 points to those guys. So I, I think yeah. he was on, you know, he nailed, nailed it pretty much about, you know, most of the stuff I was concerned about with TCU, and I thought, you know, gave a little more insight to what we're going to see on Saturday.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, my score prediction is probably not, like I said, too much off from his. I I don't have TCU scoring 52 points. I mean, I may be wrong there, but I think our defense is getting better, and I think the coaches are finally starting to to recognize some combinations that give us a a lot more athletic ability on the field. And, obviously, I think the – I think the reason the defense is getting better is, is, you know, it always starts up front. I think Hassan Ridgeway is finally starting to look healthy, and he's finally starting to um, to get in shape. Um, I, like I said, a couple times I went back and watched the game and slowed it down a little bit. There, he was in complete beast mode up front. I mean, he became in that second half where he was almost Oklahoma State could not do anything with him. They doubled him, triple teaming, him, and he must—they must have just. Made something to piss him off because he was in pure beast mode. I mean, he was unblockable. I mean, he lived in the backfield. He was crushing running plays. I mean, they. he I mean, he just was pretty disruptive. So I'm hoping that that high level of play can continue because what it does now it starts to take pressure off the linebackers. They're running free. Um, the defensive backs are not having to worry about linemen and and, and people coming out on them on sweeps. So. Uh, you know, that that's a positive that's a positive sign. But um I do want to talk go back real quick before we before we move on. I wanna I wanna give these numbers that I found um very, very interesting on snaps. On defensive end, Shiro Davis played about forty six snaps, Bryce Cottrell played about twenty nine snaps, and then um red-shirt freshman Derek Roberson played about three snaps. So he's still in a in a in a reserve role. Um, Nayshawn Hughes, the sophomore, he played 61 snaps. And then Charles Amahu, the, the true freshman played 17 snaps. So, uh, if you're tracking the numbers, um, Contrail is starting to get, uh, more snaps. And then obviously Charles is starting to get more snaps. So I would be surprised this week if, if we look at these numbers again next week, that Amahu is up into about the 25 or 30 snaps, um, range. So you're, you're, again, you're starting to see, you know, more true freshmen get more and more, um, time. Yeah, Will linebacker um, Peter Jenkins is still getting a vast majority around seventy-three snaps, but um, and then you have Anthony Wheeler who also got twenty-six snaps, another true freshman, and then obviously Malik Jefferson got seventy-one snaps. So Malik's playing just about every down, and they're moving him around a little bit. So uh, now this this is interesting at cornerback. At this is where the numbers this is where the numbers really start to um, to uh, to shake out. Duke Thomas um, is getting 76 snaps, uh, but he's getting about 57 at nickel, 15 at corner, and four at right corner. Holton Hill got 54 snaps. So he was in the game a lot, true freshman. Chris Boyd at 41 snaps. Devontae Davis uh, at about um, uh, 30 snaps, give or take a little bit. Another true freshman. And then John Bonney, uh, about 13 snaps. Dylan and then um, so... You're starting to see uh, a lot less. I and mean, then Jason Hall had 78 snaps. I think the players you can look for this week, it's safety to start to get more looks. It's PJ Locke. And then you're going to start seeing some other combinations at safety. So it's going to be interesting to watch um, those, those uh, progress as the youth movement continues. And on offense, I think you're really going to start to see um, – Ryan Newsom's going to start to get more snaps. So obviously, Burt's already getting the majority of the snaps. Um, so again, you're slow, you're seeing every game more and more freshmen and redshirt freshmen are are are, are getting snaps. And it goes back to to what um, I remember what Charlie and them said in the preseason. If you're even with an upperclassman, the, a freshman is even with an upperclassman. A freshman's playing. I think as when the lights come on. And the freshmen get snaps. They may make mistakes, but the coaches see just that the, the, the athletic ability and, and the ability to make plays that some of these upperclassmen just just are not making or can't make. So um, it, it's just you know it's just it's 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 just it's it is what it is. So um, you know again we're going to see a lot of mistakes, Matt, with the with the freshmen. But I, but I think I bet by the end of the year uh, we're going to look up and probably. Of the 22 players playing, you're only going to have about one or two, three of the seniors playing. You're going to have about 18, 19 freshmen or redshirt um, players playing, and and you know I, I like the experience because you know I, I think unless you know I, I guess there could be a scenario where where strong would I guess if we did win another game, you know you know he would be gone, but I mean I don't think that's going to happen. I, I mean I, I think we're going to somehow scrape out five, six wins. You know I may be wrong. Um, because the schedule does get better after OU, and there are some winnable games there. Um, I mean, Strong is going to be back next year. Um, if he can pull in anywhere close to the type of class in 2006 that he got in 2015, um, um, This the ship could be starting to turn a little bit. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on the major youth movement, which is not surprising?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, <clears throat> you know, this is just such a weird year because we're one in three. We've had two heartbreaking losses, but this team is fun as hell to watch, and it's fun as hell to watch yeah. these young guys come in because they don't play like freshmen, whereas, you know, a lot of times a freshman will be tentative. Uh, these guys are making mistakes. They're making mistakes out of being too aggressive, which, uh-huh. you know, I'll take that any day of the week, man, over somebody that's just scared to make a mistake. Um you know, I think the secondary is really impressive. You know, when you think about, you know, guys that have been fans of this program for a long time, you know, we've had, you know, we could sit here for the rest of the show and rattle off all the names in the secondary, you know, that have come through here. And really, other than Earl Thomas, a lot of those guys were brutal their freshman year. I remember Cedric Griffin, I hated him his freshman year. He was terrible. And his effort was poor. And I remember, I'll never forget the, the – Texas OU game where he you know just basically gave a one-handed shove to somebody to try to push him out of bounds and obviously didn't make the play and I thought this guy is a waste of a scholarship well he turns out to grow (laughs) up and become you know a huge player and make a career out of it in the NFL Mm -hmm. so to me when I think about those guys and how rough they were as freshmen and then I look at guys like Holton Hill you know getting a pick six and You know, the other guys in the secondary that are coming in and making something happen, sure, they're giving up plays, they're getting beat, but I don't see a lot of head hanging and I don't see a lot of, um, you know, lack of effort when things start going bad. They just seem to keep balling, Um, and to me, that's really exciting. I think on the linebacker positions, you know, Malik obviously has made plays. I watched a lot of the linebackers at Oklahoma State, and I think it really felt like to me, like, You know, after getting gashed on on the run at Cal, they were really focused on trying to take away the run, and they ended up kind of getting out of position because Oklahoma State ran a lot of those play action or misdirection, and the linebackers, again, being too aggressive, were reading the run and forgetting their other responsibilities and then, you know, giving up plays or being out of position, and they were hitting, hitting guys over the middle. But to me, that's stuff that, you know, that's just stuff that with experience and with confidence, and growing confidence and being, you know, just getting that experience on the field, they'll be able to eliminate that. Um athletically I think they're there and mentally they're definitely there and obviously Malik has shown, you know, when he gets a chance to make a play, he's going to make a play and, and make a hit on somebody. So to me it's exciting. Um you know, we I said it a couple weeks ago, the development's not going to be in a straight line although i have to say with some of the secondary guys so far it kind of has it seems like every week they're getting better um Uh and and that's exciting and i think that's the thing where you know i know people are frustrated they're not used to being one in three but i mean i you know it's absurd to see some of the stuff some people are saying about about strong i when i look out on the field i don't see a program that's falling apart i just see a program that they made the call right you know the only criticism i would have is you know waiting until game two to make some of those changes maybe should have been made at the, in the off season, but credit to the staff. They realized they failed that first test at Notre Dame and it was time to make drastic changes. And we've seen that immediately uh, in all aspects, not just offensive coordinator, but guys that are coming on the field on defense. So well, it's, uh, I mean, you don't know what, uh-huh.
2: No, I was going to say, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. That can be a frustrating point, but I, I really think what happened was I think the you know, Strong's twenty-plus years of experience. Um, your, you know, uh, all the other coaches' experiences. Even though the freshmen um, probably looked just incredible in practice, you know, that little birdie in their ear was probably saying, "Hey, you know, it's practice. My, my twenty years' experience is telling me we're going on the road to Notre Dame. Bright lights. They're right out of high school. Yes, they're going to be great next year. The year after." Uh, there's just no way they're ready to go play at Notre Dame, regardless of what they look like in practice. Uh, you know, you know, some of the guys don't look as good at them, but they're upperclassmen. They played in a big game. You know, let's go up there, see how we look, and I'll go from there. And I really think that's the way. And then he got up there. Went back, got on the plane on the way home, and said, "Well, the hell with this. I mean, I've got to play my freshman now. I mean, I think he, I think yeah. he, he wanted to. I really think he wanted to do that the first game, but his years of experience told him this is unheard of. Freshman ain't ready to play at this level. Well, he, he may have a special group here that is ready.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, you know, like I said, they're making plays. They're now they are yeah. getting beat, um, but you know, in this conference." They're gonna get beat when they're seniors too, from time to time. We're not gonna I mean, I think yeah. the days in this conference of having a defense that just locks everybody down is just over. Um yeah. until you know until either the offenses get held back somehow by the rules or, you know, if they start letting them play football again. Um but I think, you know, the fact that if you look at guys in that secondary, my god, you know, they're they barely know where any of the buildings on campus are and they're making huge plays. Um against, you know, Cal and, and Oklahoma State, which are, you know, we're not talking about Stephen F. Austin here. These are teams that are very capable on offense. So I'm excited. I mean, I'm terrified of the TCU game because it's another big step up in competition. It's much more like playing uh-huh. Notre Dame than Cal or Oklahoma State. But uh, it's fun to just see what yeah, – to me where I'm having more fun is just literally watching individual guys um, and seeing, you know, those areas of development and know that like you said if strong can build off of this and get another class in here that can contribute right away uh you know it ain't it ain't going to be long before uh really he gets things rolling that momentum starts going
2: well i've already kind of gave my my take on the officials and so i wanted to, to to get yours um I have not been on, on Shaggy this week, but I'm sure it's been pretty crazy over there as all the, uh, the the Longhorn um, boards this week in regard to officiating. But I guess what what is your take um, on the officiating, and we'll just move on from that because I mean we could
1: beat that horse to death for sure. Well, two things: uh, just the first take during the game, and then uh, and then at what I've read online. So um, I'm not saying this is the first time this has ever happened, but on very rare occasions, I will reach my phone, grab from, grab my phone, and uh, try to remember who I know that's watching the game on TV and that isn't in the stadium <laughs> to try to get a read on if the announcers think the, the officials are as bad as I do. Um, and I did that in about the second quarter. Uh, I couldn't believe a couple of the calls just because uh, it just seemed like, it, you know, I, I, I'm okay with – well, I'm not okay with it, but – there are crews that will throw a whole bunch of flags and you'll see a whole bunch of flags on both sides. And and I know this crew actually Uh did that in Morgantown last year. To me, it's awful. You know, it's just awful football when, you know, everything is being called, Uh, you know, like they always say you can call holding on every play and this crew usually does. (laughs) Uh, The weird thing was just the one-sidedness and then just the, you know, the stuff that drives me crazy is the, and this crew did it as well, this isn't, you know, necessarily bias or anything, but how many conferences did we have to have after a flag was thrown to talk about what the flag was? I mean, at one point, that's what I was telling guys I was sitting with is the guy that threw the flag obviously saw the the foul. You know, what do they have to sit around and talk about for five minutes before they make a decision on what the call is? Um, and then, you know, when you got late in the game, I, you know, I, I didn't realize until I saw the video later of what actually happened with Charlie Strong, but I can just say that my frustration level was so high that even given the game situation, I was glad that Strong went and got that 15-yard penalty uh, because screw it. At that point, it felt like no matter what happens, we're going to get hosed on this, so you might as well go down and send a message to your team, the fans, and everybody else that says we're not just going to stand and let this happen. Um, After the game was over, you know, everybody's been talking about the Barking Carnival article, and I know that some of our rivals and some of the other knuckleheads from schools that left the Big 12 got a lot of joy out of that, thinking that, you know, that's just some harebrained, knee-jerk reaction. But the guy that wrote that article is about the most reasonable Texas fan on the Internet and, you know, usually is a pretty much a go-to source for uh, well-thought-out opinions on Texas football. This is not a guy that writes stuff for clicks or has hot right. sports takes all the time that are just idiotic. I was stunned. I literally, I think I had my mouth wide open as I was reading that article because for someone like that to make those statements uh, was really something. And I think that got lost, you know, on the internet as people were uh, laughing about it or whatever is this is not Mm -hmm. some Johnny come lately emotional guy. Who's probably still drunk from the game and, you know, scribbled out some rants about the officiating. Uh, And when Scipio is saying something like that, I think you should listen. I now, and, and, you know, people didn't really interpret what he wrote. You know, they thought he was accusing the refs of all sorts of things. And that's clearly not the point of his article. The point was the calls were so bizarre that it leads you to wonder what the hell is going on because in all the years of watching football, you know, this just doesn't happen on, you know, for no reason. Uh, you know, I, so he threw out some possibilities and people ran with that. And who knows what the actual reason is. Um you know, I don't think it was really handled well post post game either, as far as you know how they came out and kind of defended the refs. I I actually think that the Big Twelve would have been better off saying nothing. Um, yeah. Or you know, or just you know, let, I, I think the the comments, the way they were stated, were just so poorly uh, verbalized that it led to this story continuing on for two or three more days. When what the Big Twelve needed to do is make that story go away as soon as possible. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then there was also uh, another one. I think it was on. Um, um, I think it was on Barking Carnalisle. Another one of their um, another writer wrote something on it. So yeah, they had actually two very very good good pieces on it. But um, but yeah, that, I agree. That's what got lost. Anybody that you know has pretty reasonable takes at any point in time, even where we're really really good or we're really really bad. Um, you know, he, he stays pretty even keel to, to his points in his writing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, all I can say is hopefully they'll even out, you know, maybe behind the scenes, the the big 12 did not want to, you know, embarrass itself publicly, but maybe behind the scenes, there's something going on and they're going to look into it. And, you know, I mean, it's not going to change the outcome of the game, um, some rumors started on a couple boards today. You know, somebody that's a friend of this official of that friend of the. You know, we're buying a house next to this person, and we we know his sister because she had a Coca Cola and bought French fries. And, you know, you know that type of that type of crap. That one of the one of them was actually supposedly suspended today, but you know how the internet boards go. Well, I've got a sister who ate lunch at dinner. With this girl went to school with her friend, who's friends with Joe, who, fa- who Facebook John, who saw you know you know how that crap goes bad. So I wouldn't yeah. put any any, cre- any any credence in all that all that stupidity. So,
1: well, Mike, one thing you know uh, as a fan of Major League Baseball, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves of umpiring, and it happened to my Giants earlier this year on a you know umpires all over the place behind the plate. Pitcher is frustrated, you know, snaps the ball back from the catcher in the glove, probably muttering some F words under his breath. And the umpire runs out, you know, from behind the plate and takes his mask off and starts barking back at the pitcher. Well, of course, the pitcher's already hot. He barks back. Next thing you know, pitcher's ejected. And I think, you know, that line judge with Charlie Strong, I mean, I'm not suggesting, you know, I have no idea why that happened. It's probably heat of the moment. But a ref's got to know better, man. I mean, if you've got to know the situation. You have to know as a referee whether you think the defensive holding call is right or not. You have to know that your coach on that sideline is going to go nuclear when you call a defensive holding on a run play with three minutes to go in the game or whatever. And to continue kind of talking back, I mean, the ref has to walk away from that situation. And that, to me, is the main the number one thing that I think I would say, you know, if I was a Big 12 official, if, if anybody's going to get, uh, you know, taken to the principal's office, would be that. I mean, yeah. Harley Strong said his piece, walk away. If he keeps walking after you and called you an MFer and everything else, then sure, you got every right to throw a flag. But when you escalate it by turning back and getting right up against him, uh, there's nothing good that's going to happen from that, and it just it looks bad for everybody, the conference, the coach, the referee, and everyone, and I would say if they want to make one of these stupid points of emphasis, the point of emphasis should be tell the referees to just walk away.
2: All righty. Well, let's shift gears one more time. Let's um, do our top four this week, and as we always say, it's kind of fluid. Um, I'll do mine quickly so we can get a few other um, picks in, but um, my... Four playoff teams as of this week. Um, I'm going with still Ohio State. No particular order. It doesn't really matter. Ohio State. uh, Michigan State almost slipped out of mind um, this week because that Oregon win is definitely not looking as good as it did earlier um, after Oregon's. But they're still in it. I've got Michigan in. And then I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Um, Just because of their injuries, they're continuing to just destroy people. So the Um, They're they're a good football team So Notre Dame is in my final four this week And I've still got LSU um, Until somebody beats them So that's my final four right now Ohio State, Michigan State, Notre Dame LSU, Matt, go
1: Ohio State for sure Uh, I'm going to say Notre Dame Number two because I saw something online That says ESPN NFL draft So called expert uh, Uh Stated that Notre Dame has 10 of the NFL 150 uh, top prospects for next year's draft on the roster. Uh, still That's playing. pretty strong. Yeah. yeah, That uh, that may explain why they're still playing well despite all of the massive injuries. So I'm going to put Notre Dame in. Uh, man, this is really tough right now because I just think it's a little bit like the Big 12. There's just a big glob of teams. I, I'm concerned about LSU uh, just because That Syracuse team was junk. (laughs) They should have gone in there and destroyed them. Maybe they took it a little bit lightly, but I'm a little concerned about them, but I'll keep them in for now. But I've got a down arrow next to them. Uh Uh-huh. And then I know I'm going to regret this at some point, but uh, I'm going completely off the reservation, and I'm going to say UCLA is my number four.
2: Okay, that won't last long, but, yeah, that's a... (laughs) (laughs) i got
1: to
2: stick to oh, somebody, man. I, Yeah, I, I know. There's about six teams clustered all in there, but in the next couple of weeks it's going to it's gonna start to shake out. Well, let's get into a few picks. Let's start with a one. I think it's going to be a great game this week, uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma. Uh, West Virginia uh, oddly has the number one uh, scoring defense in the country right now. Obviously, that's probably skewed a little bit uh, because of their schedule, but they are improved. And I remember just a few years ago they probably had the worst defense. Well, I don't think that defense is going to look nearly as good um, in Norman. So I'm going with Oklahoma just because suits just doesn't lose many games at home. Oklahoma's minus seven. I think it'll stay within that. I'm going to go 31-27 Oklahoma.
1: So this is one of those games where when the point spread came out, then it made me nervous. I thought OU – wins by two touchdowns in this game, but then I saw that it, uh-huh. I think it opened at eight and a half and moved to seven. Yep. Yep. So I'm very concerned, but I'm still going to stick with Oklahoma by two touchdowns. I'm going to say
2: 38-24. Next one, SEC matchup, uh, Mississippi State at the Aggies. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I w- uh, going back and forth, if I was going to even give that idiot Board of member um, any play on his stupid comments today? Everybody knows what they were, so I'm not even going to acknowledge it because he pissed me off. I'm not. I was going to pick A&M to win, but since he said that today, I'm not. I'm, 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 I have changed my mind. I think uh, A&M is getting a little on their high horse. Mississippi State is actually a little better than they better than they thought. I think they're going to surprise A&M this week. I think it's going to be high scoring. I'm going 38-34 Mississippi State with the upset on the road.
1: Well, I did not hear what the board of regent said. So, um.
2: oh well, hold on. Let me let me let me <laughs> let me let you know um, the Aggie the Aggie board of regent. Um, I don't even remember his name, Dare King or whatever. I don't know. Um, he basically was asked, of course, again about playing Texas, and he said, "Well, he said I, I would like for, to get Texas back on our schedule because you know, since we play so many tough games in the SEC, we need a few more cupcakes on on our schedule." So um, he said it'll fit. He goes, He goes. that'll fit right in with our other out-of-conference games that we play now. So there you go. Wow.
1: Yeah. So he's taking the Brett Bielema approach to Yes. speaking to the media. Okay, well, I know I picked A&M to win big last week, and they barely survived. But I still don't believe in Mississippi State, and I think that A&M wins this one big. I know Dak Prescott is good. If he can go into Kyle Field and one-man bandit to a victory, I will uh, put him in my top five Heisman finalists for now, but I don't think that happens. I'm going to say A&M, 36, Mississippi State, 17. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, minus eight, Oklahoma
2: State. Um, Basically coming off a, a, a lucky win on their part. I think we exposed some things. I just don't think Kansas State has the talent to, to win the game, but I think they'll play within eight. I think Oklahoma State will have a little letdown. I'm going to go 30-27 Oklahoma State.
1: That's a good pick. I, I'm i kind of with you. I think if I'm Oklahoma State, I'm a little worried about a few things after watching that game. You know the Wizard was watching that game film. But I just, yeah, with K-State missing their quarterback, starting quarterback for the year, Um, I think this will be a five-point game. I'll say 32-27, Oklahoma State.
2: Ole Miss at Florida.
1: Um,
2: Florida is actually a surprisingly 4-0. Got a lucky win at Georgia. Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite on the road. I think Florida will be playing with a lot of emotion, but unfortunately I believe they're going to have a huge letdown after coming back on Tennessee. I think Ole Miss rolls. Florida's not there yet. They've been playing way above their heads. I'm going Mississippi State 42, Florida 17.
1: Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ole Miss 31-10. to 10.
2: Texas Tech at Baylor. Baylor at home, minus 17. Tech's coming off a brutal loss. They had TCU fourth down, had batted the ball up. Game was over. I mean, basically, TCU was done. I mean, it took a miracle. That was a miracle play. Um, Baylor does come out fast at home. Um, Baylor may score every, every possession. I think Tech's going to score a lot, too. Uh, I'm going to go in the 50s for both teams. I'm going 55 51 Tech. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I know a lot of people think Baylor's going to roll, but I think Tech's going to be able to move the ball.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, we were saying earlier that everything evens out. Well, that tipped ball catch happened in the Michael Crabtree end zone, so things do even out at yep. times. time. Sometimes it takes uh, six years or seven years or whatever. <laughs> uh, man, this is really tough. I think you're right, absolutely, uh Tech's going to be able to move the ball on Baylor. This is just so tough for Tech having to come back and play Baylor yeah. the next week after TCU. And I'm, I'm man, I, I'm really rooting for Texas Tech, but uh, I think that they're going to run out of gas in the second half. I think they'll be tied at halftime, and then t- uh, Baylor will pull away. So I'm going to say 51-31 to 31 Baylor.
2: Arkansas at Tennessee, Tennessee six-and-a-half-point favorite. Arkansas choked. I mean, there ain't no other way. We were watching that game. They just basically handed it to A&M. All they needed was a first down or two. Ball game over. I think the losing continues, and the fire breath signs are going to be coming out in Fayetteville. I think they're going to be have a big letdown. I think Tennessee finally gets a uh, – I hate to call it a signature win, but they are going to get a big win. I'm going Tennessee 31, Arkansas 14.
1: Memo to Brett Bielamo when you have third and four in a game on the line and you're Arkansas, run the damn football. Don't throw two passes. Drives me crazy. I don't understand what Arkansas was doing at the end of that game. Uh, Tennessee, I'm not real sold on. They're also coming off that tough loss, but I think the home field comes to play here. Another loss for Arkansas. I'm sure we all feel real bad about it. I'm going to say Tennessee. 34 Arkansas 27.
2: And real quick, Notre Dame-Clemson, it started at – Clemson was minus two. It's now a pick I'm definitely going to stick with Notre Dame. I'm going 34-30 Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, until further notice, uh, I'm staying on the Notre Dame bandwagon, and I will never pick Dabo Sweeney to win a big Saturday night primetime game at home after – Florida State demolished them a few years ago when yep. I was all over Clemson and lost some money. So take that that low. I'm going to take Notre Dame 28
2: to 20. And the final pick of the night, our own Texas Longhorns minus, or minus, I wish it was minus, plus 15. <laughs> um, plus 15. Um, it actually has dropped a little bit. Um, um at TCU, 11 o'clock kickoff, uh, TCU coming, on a, coming from a, a last second last play win, us coming from basically a last play loss. Uh, I think we're getting better. Um, TCU's defense is beat up, so I think that is, we'll, we'll keep it in the game. But I think at the end of the day, TCU's offense in the fourth quarter will make just one or two more plays. Um, that we're going to be capable of making at this point. So I am not going to pick us to win this week, but I think we'll be pretty competitive. At least I'm hoping I am. But I think at the end of the day, TCU is going to win. I'm going to say, oh, man, this has been back and forth. I'm going to go 41-31
1: TCU. Man, we're almost right on on this one. Uh, I think if Texas is going to win they got to jump on them early. We need a sleepy uh, Fort Worth crowd. Hopefully everybody in Fort Worth goes out to 7th Street or Stockyards or whatever on Friday night and stays out till 2, so they're nice and sleepy Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. Got to jump on them early. Cannot turn the ball over. Uh, and well, I'm not going to say force a lot of turnovers because I just don't think that's going to happen with this offense. And I think Texas will give a game effort. I think, again, they're going to show some things that make us kind of say, wow, uh, make some plays. But, man, Dotson, at receiver, uh, keeps me up at night this week. (laughs) Even as good as our freshmen have played. If you look back, the Cal number one receiver destroyed us. Oklahoma State's number one receiver destroyed us. That probably is happening again. Um, I'm going to say you had 41-31. I think I had 41-30. So I think we're – we're right on the same page. For once, we have almost the exact same pick.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and you know, like I said, maybe we'll get some turnovers. You never know what may happen. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I, I feel like we're staring uh, one one in four in in you know, you know right down the barrel. Unfortunately, so then we'll come back next week and we'll get ready for for OU. I want to see how OU looks against West Virginia. I want to see how we look against TCU. Um, maybe I'm picking Texas to upset OU next week. We'll see what happens. Um, real quick before we go, uh, Cowboys are, are beat up. Boy, that was a brutal loss for the Cowboys last week. After getting to get a big start, uh, out to a, a, a quick start, my Texans figured out how to win, even though we still look awful. The best thing about the Texans is they, is they let fat ass Bullet go today. Thank God. One left Aggie on the roster is always a good thing to me. Um, so uh, we don't have to worry about him missing any more kicks. But um, the NFL season. Um, moving right along, um, uh, you know, I think the best three or four teams in any particular order for me so far is obviously the the Patriots look like they're at a different level, Um, the the Packers look like they're at a different level, and then I would have to even throw in the Arizona Cardinals. I think they're for real. So I think that's the top three teams right now in the uh, NFL. And then the Cowboys, I think, are right there once they're healthy. So quick NFL thoughts, Matt.
1: Yeah, the Cowboys have to beat New Orleans this week. It just sucks that New Orleans is playing for their lives, uh, and it's a Sunday yeah. night game. Uh, thanks a lot, NBC. Brandon Whedon on the road at New Orleans. Uh, let's just say I'm not, not real thrilled about looking forward to watching that game. But if they can just find a way, man, it's, yeah. Uh, the The big fear is that, you know, things go south really badly and then even when the guys come back healthy you've got such a big hill to climb you're not gonna be able to get into the get into the tournament in the postseason so we'll see what happens i'm a lot less excited than i was a couple weeks ago but that's football baseball about four
2: games of the regular season uh Astros lost a oh just a heartbreaker last night but we're we're still right there the rangers are battling um um, but the Angels are losing uh, eight to five, so maybe um, we're we'll, we're getting ready to you know we play later tonight, so we're going to see how this thing um, ends up. I think the Angels play the last three at the um, um, the Rangers, and then we finish up with three on the road. So it's it's probably going to come down to the last actual day for all three of us. It wouldn't be surprising if there's a three way tie. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, it looks like neither team wants to to win the wild card or the or the division with this thing. So it's um, you know, it's it's a crazy deal in baseball. Um, basketball season is starting up. NBA, uh, it won't be long another week or two. College basketball will be having their um, their kickoff practices, and I don't know if anybody saw our our true freshman jumping ability last night on Twitter, but all <laughs> I can say to that is Wow, Matt! Wow. Yeah,
1: bring on basketball season. <laughs> that was unbelievable. <laughs> Get definitely check that out on YouTube, Kerwin Roach, if you.
2: Kerwin Roach, see that last man. Night. Yeah, I I am I'm, I'm excited to see what um what Spark puts together um on the on the uh, on the basketball court. I'm gonna definitely have to, to get to Austin to 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 see a few more games this year. It should be exciting. Um so um hopefully the, the Irwin Center will get back um to full capacity instead of half capacity um, so that it's gonna be exciting. So with that said, we'll see you next week. Everybody traveling up to Fort Worth, have a safe trip, um, get out there, cheer the horns on. Um, have a safe trip back wherever you when you leave Fort Worth let's get us a win Um, but more importantly hopefully the young kids will continue to grow and and, you know and you know TCU was picked by a lot of people to be in the playoffs and and play for the national championship so I mean I'm not a moral victory guy but if we go up there and keep it within eight ten points and have a chance to win in the fourth um, you know you know I I have to look at that as a positive sign but eventually this team's going to have to start getting some wins and uh, right now on the schedule, it's still rough. So hopefully um, we'll, we'll just continue to grow in the back half of the schedule and get here quick, and we can string together some wins because um, losing sucks. regardless if we're we're growing up or not, and I and 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 I, and I know Strong wants to win. I mean I can tell. I mean the last couple of weeks, I mean we talk about how brutal it was for us, but I, I'm sure he went into his office and and punched the wall a few times. I'm sure he had to get away and and regroup too. So because he's competitive too. I mean how how can he not be? So, Matt, tell our listeners where they can find us.
1: Sure thing. You can find me on Twitter, at UT Tailgaters. No spaces, no hyphens, just UT Tailgaters. Uh I'm personally hoping that this season ends with us taking down one of the big three. So here's our first chance on Saturday. Let's go get it. And if if we pull off the upset, I will be uh, naming the celebration point in Fort Worth, and we will celebrate deep into the night. Yeah,
2: that that would be um, that would be awesome. I know I know um, you know, strong at this point I think it would it would really help the team and, and, and help him because if nothing else, they're not gonna give up. These young kids are gonna battle. So um if y'all wanna find me on Twitter, it's at MB Uh remember the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook 'em horns and sense – George Strait announced a few shows next year in Las Vegas. How can I not take us out without the king of country music himself? We'll see y'all next week. Hook 'em. There wouldn't be no
1: Alamo, no Cowboys in
0: the Super Bowl.
2: I wouldn't be a
0: really fan. Nobody swam the Rio Grande. I
2: wouldn't be an American if it wasn't for Texas.